Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who, just five years into my legal career, found myself questioning, why work so hard to barely be squeezing life in? So that I wouldn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided to redefine success on my terms from the inside out, which is what enabled me to build a profitable legal practice while navigating my way through the challenges of two kids and two bed rests, the 2008 financial crisis, and a battle with breast cancer. What I learned is that you can build a successful legal career without sacrificing your health or personal happiness. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to another installment of the Life in Law Podcast. This is your host, Heather Mulder. And today we have a special guest to talk all things marketing for lawyers. And hopefully we'll get into a little bit of social media talk as well, because I find that a lot of lawyers don't like to utilize social media the way they can. And our expert is incredibly good at that and has a lot of insight and information and knowledge that she can share. Welcome, Stephanie Marone. Thank you so much for having me here today, Heather. I'm so excited to finally be able to do this. It's been (laughs) difficult to schedule it because of me, like I was saying to you before. So I'm really happy to be here. Yes. And then I had trouble scheduling for a while because I was sick. And um, note to listeners, I have a horrible cough. Hopefully I will be able to edit it out, but there might be some occasions where you get to hear it. And um, just forgive me for that. I think everybody right now, we are we are recording this in mid-December and uh, everybody seems to be getting sick at the moment. So yeah, I was sick. I was sick twice recently. And, you know, I have nieces and nephews and they're petri dishes. And so yeah. I love them, but I'm always getting sick. So I, I commiserate with you. Absolutely. So, okay. So let's get into, before we get into the big topic of the day, just a little bit about you. Give us some insight as to, you know, who you are, what you do, and how you got here, because you haven't always been on your own like you are now. No, this was an accidental sort of foray into (laughs) entrepreneurship, to be perfectly honest with you. So, um, so I was a magazine editor, Heather, for a few years. Like I wanted to be a magazine editor. I went to college. I was a history major and I, I had internships. I went to NYU. So it was easy for me to have those internships. And I like, you know, really wanted to be Carrie Bradshaw. And then I got to <laughs> magazines and realized that it was absolutely evil, like Devil Wears Prada. And I lasted three years And, but during that time, funny enough, like always like, what's a fun fact about you is always that I wrote the horoscopes and a marriage column. And I was not married, nor did I have any business writing the horoscopes whatsoever. But yeah, that's that's interesting information to know when people read those things to know, hmm, maybe the people writing them actually don't have the knowledge we think. Exactly. (laughs) Not all of them are bogus, but this one was bogus. And so I made no money as a magazine editor, and I had a job at night, which was working at a private equity fund. I had worked there during college, and I moonlit at night because they were working all the time. And so they knew I was a strong writer and editor. They used Paul Weiss, Rifkin, Morton, Garrison for their mar- for their legal services. And so they were looking for a writer, editor, and somebody to start their alumni relations program. And I jumped at it. It was like an automatic 50% raise. And I was like, you know, I thought about 
going to law school at some point. So I thought this would be a good foray, but I couldn't handle magazines anymore. And so that's how I got into this. And I worked subsequently for 20 years almost in-house at various firms, Proskauer, Sullivan and Cromwell, Mayor Brown, Morrison and Forrester. I was the CMO of a midsize firm. I met my mentor at Paul Weiss, and she took me with her to four different firms, which was amazing because I had this great woman who's still my mentor. And then accidentally, I started my own business, which was supposed to be just a few months until I landed on my feet again when I lost my job after sort of having kind of a crisis at work. And I'm totally happy to talk about this because I think it's something that we don't talk about enough, this whole Mm -hmm. mental health at law Mm. firms and the need for firms to be a little bit more understanding of that. But anyway, I launched my own own company because I could, because I had been on LinkedIn for years before speaking and writing and doing all of those other things. So I had a built-in audience and nice. here I am three years later. So tell me, okay, you opened the door. Tell me a little bit more about what you meant by, you know, I can talk about this more. We we need to deal with this mental health crisis that goes on in the firm world. Uh, what happened with you and what did you learn from that experience? Oh, <laughs> it's such a sad, okay. So essentially what what happened to me is that I was going through some personal stuff and I tried to leave it at the door and it was all about my personal life. My significant other had an affair with one of our friends and I was oh. a mess and our relationship unraveled and I had to find a new place to live. And my boss at the time told me, Steph, check it at the door, compartmentalize, mm. do the work. And my mom had recently passed away also from cancer. It was like it was like a snowball effect of like all of these things. And we're so expected to go to work and slay the dragons and pretend like everything's okay. But whether you're dealing with infertility, whether you're dealing with a death in the family, your relationship crumbling, a you know, a sick loved one, maybe you're the one who's sick. It's impossible to check it at the door mm-hmm. and go to work and do all the things. We are all dealing with things of which many people have no idea. And many of us function and we do a good job of it, but sometimes things break. And so yep. mine was that I was crying every day at work. I was unable to focus. This was very different for like a type A person who was like a, you know, I'd like to think of myself as a star employee, but I was not. I was a mess. I needed compassion, help. And this is what kills me, Heather, when law firms say that, or any company, that we're a family because you're not. Oh, at the end no. of the day, you're an, they're an employer. And if you're not right. doing your job, which I wasn't doing a great job, to be honest, I needed a leave of absence. I needed to take a mental health break, but I didn't even know it was available to me. And the firm was lean. So they didn't have the, I don't know. I I don't know that they had the, the, not compassion, but they didn't really, it didn't make sense for them. And I guess what I want to say about this, if you have a star employee, a lawyer, whoever it is, paralegal, who is displaying uncharacteristic behavior, such as absences or, not getting their work done, give them the benefit of the doubt before you go on the attack mode. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know what's what's going on with somebody and offer them the help they need. This firm did not, which is a real mistake because I was always going to talk about it like this and on social. (laughs) And so I was let go and I didn't know what to do. And I got help, by the way, that was number one. I got a great therapist and I got on medication because I was 
had depression and I didn't know it. It never happened to me before. I was mm-hmm. 40 and I was going through a lot of stuff. Um, and then I rebuilt and I shared my story. And by the way, sharing this story has been nothing but a good thing because I think it makes people relate and realize they don't have to be superhuman and that if it could happen to me, it could happen to you too. So that's what I guess I want to tell others, but you can recover and you can rebuild your life and it's never too late. Oh, I totally agree with that. And I think there's a couple of things to come from that. So number one, this reminds me of a guest I had on recently, Nicole Miller, who shared her story with burnout and depression. And so if you haven't listened to that, you may want to. Um, because she also made the point of opening up and sharing how you feel was really freeing for her to realize she wasn't the only one. I think we all assume it's just us and something's wrong with us and therefore we can't share. And so it starts with us too. And then number two, we have this culture we've created in the legal world where, and, and there's other professions who do this. I just think the law firms especially do this where Sometimes we're willing to help, but only to a point, and we act like oh, we are a family. And I think yeah. it's more it's more realistic to say, look, we're not a family family. We care about you. But I, I, I think we're actually going to be more helpful to others if we're more honest about this is a business. Yeah. And part of having a good business means helping take care of people in a way that helps them get to that other side when they're dealing with this. Because you had a productive employee before, you want to yeah. keep that productive employee, you're more likely to be able to keep that employee and help them thrive there again by dealing with it, as opposed to mm-hmm. the attitude of check it at the door, I don't want to hear it. And that's the third thing I wanted to mention. Telling people to compartmentalize and then actually actually doing it is by far the worst thing you can possibly do. <laughs> It's like absurd. It's like check it at the door. Like, and it was a man telling me this. It doesn't so work. I don't know if that makes a difference, but to me, it was so condescending. And you know, <laughs> he tried to tell me the story about you know his son had been ill at one point and he had to go to work every day. But I also think his wife was the one dealing with this on a daily basis. Like, you can't. You don't know somebody's mental threshold. You don't know right. what it's like to walk in someone's shoes. You don't know if you're if you think you're able to deal with something. Like I remember one of the women, the women lawyers were the worst to me there. There was one woman that said something, which is not surprising, right? One of the women lawyers said to me, well, my, my husband, you know, had cancer and there's plenty of people who go through worse things than you get it together. You are not special in dealing with something. And I'm not saying that I am. I'm just saying that everyone has a different level of what they can deal with. And it's up to nobody else to judge you for that. Also, Heather, I should say, this was a smaller firm. This is a mid-sized firm. Big <coughs> firms have the resources. You know, they've hired wellness coaches <laughs> or whatever this new job is or director of, um, you know, mental well-being. I don't know, but maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't, but there are people who fall through the cracks. And this was a firm that wasn't capable at that point of knowing what to do, or they just didn't want to. Because at the end right. of the day, they want to make money. And I was holding them back from doing that. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but your workplace is not your family. Because your family really can't fire you, Heather, but your employer can and will. Right. So. Well, and I want to make the point that 
we lawyers love to say, well, I dealt with something worse or I dealt with something just like mm-hmm. that and I'm fine. And I, in my experience, I found that 99% of the time you're lying to yourself about being fine. Yeah, you're not. And at some, so you, <laughs> like, you got to be realistic with what were the repercussions of compartmentalizing like that and not dealing with it in the moment. The repercussions sometimes aren't as obvious. They are fraying relationships. They are you no longer have a good relationship with your your kid because you were never around to help them through an experience. They are divorce. They are dealing with your stress and anxiety by coping in unhealthy ways through eating things you shouldn't or drugs and alcohol. We have yep. a much higher than what should be normal <laughs> Um, issue with depression, anxiety, drugs, and alcohol dependence also to deal with those things. And none of that is good for us. And everybody has a breaking point. Everyone. And at some point, if you continue to compartmentalize, you will break down in some way, shape, or form. Maybe it's physical. Maybe you start getting sick a lot more. Maybe it's mental. Something will go on in your life that will be a repercussion of that. And oftentimes, we don't admit it. We also have a lot of lawyers who die too young, like, you know, from heart attacks and strokes and because they're not taking care of themselves. And it's not all physical. Part of it is physical, but part of it is mental. It all goes hand in hand. And you are one human being. You cannot compartmentalize. What goes on in your personal life impacts how you show up. And what goes on at work impacts how you show up at home. I couldn't agree with you more. Like it was just, it was just, it's something I really feel passionate about. It's something I talk about a lot. It's something I'm super open and honest about because having gone through this, you know, listen, it could, the worst case scenario is there are lawyers who have a higher rate of suicide. You know, you, there are a lot of undiagnosed mental health issues and it's not something we need to have a stigma about. I take a pill, Heather, every day that helps me be able to be my best self and to deal with the things that, you know, I can deal with. I'm not ashamed of that at all. I didn't know I needed help. That's the thing about depression. It doesn't have to necessarily, or any mental health issue, it doesn't have to be something that you had your whole life. Situational depression can come on. And also there's, you know, how many of us are functioning with high functioning anxiety. And, you know, we, we make it through the day, but like you said, something's (laughs) got to give, like we do have a breaking point and your relationships, whether personally or professionally can be fractured as a result. So compartmentalizing is just absurd. And again, work's not your family, but you know, you, you can recover. And this is why I'm so vocal about this issue because firms still have a lot of work to do, especially smaller firms. And if you're trying to attract talent right now and you're having trouble doing so because your benefits and your salary isn't as great as the big, you know, the top 10, top 20 firms, you can make a difference by actually offering these other services that smaller and mid-sized firms really haven't yet done. And help your people and truly be a supporter of your people because that's that's what's going to create loyalty. Also, let me say one other thing. Uh-huh. I'm talking about my story. It's not hard to figure out which firm it was if you go through my LinkedIn profile. Every single thing is public nowadays, including yes. employees have forums. You only write reviews, Heather, right? When you're really happy with something or really upset with something like on Yelp or on TripAdvisor on Google. So you also have to be concerned as a firm that your employees, your lawyers, your paralegals, your support staff are going to go on Glassdoor, are going to go on Chambers Associate, or 
wherever else um above the law remember the comments yep. of above the law used to be like the thing <laughs> they can air their grievances about you yep. and it's up to you as the employer to make sure people even if you don't want them to stay at your firm leave on a good note this is why i've gotten involved in a lot with alumni relations programs plenty of people don't want to make partner or who aren't fit to make partner and leave or are asked to leave but you can fix these relationships by being upfront with people, by welcoming them back into the fold through an alumni program, through through transparency, through helping someone through a tough time. But employers need to realize that there are repercussions and that people can go and tell their story in a way that they didn't do or couldn't do 10, 15 years ago. So yeah. transparency is really important and also just being a good employer because it's the right thing to do, but also because it's reputation management as well. Yeah. And I, we're not saying they, your firm should have or, or had to keep you on long term no. if you couldn't work. But, you yeah. know, I do wonder, like, think about had they been more compassionate, had they not told you all those things from the very beginning, would you have potentially figured out, oh, I need help earlier? Would you have then gotten the help? Would you have then been able to have a couple of rough weeks, maybe a rough month there, but then been back to your normal self and stayed happily? Like the, there's all these other yeah. ways we could deal with it. So just be a good human being, be compassionate, be respectful, be kind. Doesn't mean everybody necessarily stays, but then people leave on much better terms and, you know, it, it all works out much better for everyone involved. Totally agree. But <laughs> the silver lining is that I wound up in a much better place. So that is the good thing. You never yeah. know. Like these terrible things that happen to us, even when that silver lining is really hard to see, oftentimes bring us to even a better place if we just stick through the muck and kind of push ourselves and persevere through it. We can. I like that you said it that way because – I think a lot of times people try to create false positives when they don't yet exist. Mm -hmm. And this is where I think reframing is so important. It's a tool that I talk about all the time with my clients. I've talked about it here before, where when you're going through something really challenging, it's important to step back and go, okay, but what am I learning? How am I growing? And and identify that because it helps you get through those tough times. It doesn't mean those times don't suck. It doesn't mean they're not hard. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get rid of the negative, but it does change how you view it a little bit. And it enables you then after you kind of get through what you need to get through and have moved on to utilize what you've learned to your benefit. And then you get to create those silver linings more effectively. So just wanted to note that. So I love that. Also, let me bring up before we started recording, I said to you that I was right. I'm writing an article about the 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 power of positive thinking, right? So and and the, the best part of this is that an article written by you comes up on the first page of Google, which I'm like, oh my God, I know her. That's amazing. So you guys should check out the article. So I will cite it in my article as well. So the, the whole idea is that when I believed I could, I did. And when I was not doing well in college, I was doing okay or at work, I started changing my mindset. And the same thing, I did the same thing when all of this terrible stuff happened to me. I tried to persevere. I tried to believe that it would be okay. I looked for those silver linings and I changed my mindset. And then things around me suddenly started shifting from that fixed mindset to the growth mindset, which I know you know a lot about. But it really made a difference. But in the muck, I couldn't see that silver lining until right. I got to a place where 
after I got help, where, where things were okay, but time really does help. But it really made a difference in terms of believing that I could, and then I did. And I manifested things into my life because I did the work. It wasn't that I just was positive. I actually had to do the work, but it all of this work. So um, your article is amazing. So thank oh, you well, for thank that. You. <laughs> I'll have to find it and, and put it in the show note links. Yeah. So that people can read it. Okay. So. So you left, you became an entrepreneur. Now tell us a little bit about what you do and how you help people so that we can get into the marketing side. Yes. Okay. So because I had a presence on LinkedIn and I had been speaking and writing so much over the years, even while balancing my full-time job, which is in and of itself a tricky thing. And I think we should talk about that. How much of your personal brand can you build while working full-time for a law firm? Because you know, it's it's a little different, I think, for lawyers than it is for non-lawyers, but it's still the same. It's like, you know, you want your employer expects you to promote them, promote what they're doing. And sometimes you want to talk about the other things you're doing as well. So it's a tricky fine line. But I had found a niche which was in legal marketing, but specifically talking about how lawyers and other legal professionals could use social media and very, very targeted to LinkedIn to build their brands and businesses. And I also talk about other things. I'm an outsourced CMO, Heather. I work with only really mid and small size firms because that's really now where I feel like I can make a difference and Mm -hmm. help people. And I do everything under the sun for them. Everything from be their entire marketing department to working with their marketing departments internally to helping them elevate their presences through business development, through marketing, and of course, through LinkedIn. But I practice what I preach. I post every day, maybe, well, usually every day on social. I build my brand. I really try to help others through the things that I've learned, good Mm -hmm. and bad, Mm -hmm. and sharing more about me because there are so many dime a dozen posts out there, such as the um, the hate, the much chagrined best lawyers and super lawyers post where people say, I'm honored and humbled to be and chambers and all that. Like, yeah. And I want to talk about how lawyers can create better content to support their brand and business. And it doesn't involve those posts. Mm-hmm. It involves little shifts that you can all do. So there was a niche. And there was also a niche for somebody who had been at law firms for so long. There's a lot of consultants out there. But there are not many people who've actually been in the trenches working at firms. So I saw there was a need here and it just sort of organically happened. But I'll tell you that building my brand and being visible on LinkedIn helped me start a business right off the bat. I had two Uh speaking engagements, one at the New York City Bar and one with the Association of um, Legal Professionals and I, the ALA, sorry, Association of Legal Administrators. Uh Those two led me to three of my clients who are still with me today and I thought about canceling them, by the way, because I was a mess, but I went on the stage and I did it. And that was the best thing I did. So self-promotion is really important. So many lawyers they don't do, it. do these things. No, they, they write the client alert. They write the blog post. They speak at a conference. They don't promote it. They, they you know, hope that their marketing department will do it. And then that's it. Maybe they'll reshare it. Maybe not. They go to a conference, Heather, they speak. They leave immediately after when they could be networking with like-minded people who are looking to refer them business and hire them. And they don't maximize the opportunities or they're they're at the conference even worse and they're on their phones and they're completely unapproachable 
or hanging out with people who they know. They don't push themselves out of their comfort zone even a little bit. So my homework for everybody today is going to be do one thing a little differently that's going to push you out of your comfort zone, that's going to help you build your brand and build your business and commit to it. And it doesn't have to be starting a podcast, starting a blog. It's these little shifts in what we do. Get off your phone when you're at a conference. Go to that networking reception, even if you're uncomfortable or you don't know anybody, but they really work. Post on LinkedIn. One post a month, even if that gets your feet wet. But these little shifts in how you do things really do add up. It's an amalgamation of these little things. They do. I would say, so something I started doing as an example of this, this year, Mm -hmm. and I only started doing it a couple months ago, was reaching out more individually to people I'm connected with on LinkedIn Mm. and asking to chat just for a coffee, 20-minute coffee chat to get to know one another. We're connected on LinkedIn. Like, we utilize LinkedIn to make connections, right? And then they go to this black hole of connections that you hardly ever see again. And so I, anybody I've connected with over the last year, I've been using the last few months to, like, reach out to them. So if you've gotten one of those and you haven't taken me up on a coffee chat, you really should. And here's... (laughs) Here's why, like, and it, it's not a sales thing, right? I felt right. weird about doing it because A, lawyers are very limited on time and most of these are lawyers, not all, but most. B, they, you know, think it's salesy or weird when you DM them. Like lawyers don't use the DMs very much, right? No, yeah. And I always felt that way. But then I realized if I just put in there from a heartfelt look, I have all these connections. You go, We all go into this black hole. Let's not forget why we connected in the first place have a 20-minute coffee chat to get to know one another. I'm really honest about these chats help me come up with podcast ideas. Mm -hmm. So they've like really been beneficial for me in that respect. And if nothing else, I promise to give you at least one tip because the coach in me does come out and every time I talk to somebody and I can't help but help them (laughs) and give them some advice, a tip, a tool, a strategy, something, depending on whatever's going on in their life, right? And I would say... So I just, as soon as I connect with somebody, within a week, they usually get a message of, hey, let's get to know each other better. And How do you I'll, keep track of it, Heather? How do you, like, do you keep a spreadsheet or do you just go back? To I used to, but I just go back to the messages and mm-hmm. that's been easier. And I keep track of the people who actually say yes. So maybe 20% of the people say yes. But this is, this is exactly what I'm saying. The small small habit, little things. The small change, right? Here's what, here's what that's benefited me. I've gotten like four or five, probably five podcast guests just from mm-hmm. doing this that I wouldn't have had otherwise that I'm super excited to share with people. I've gotten two new clients, two others who say they're interested in working with me in the new year. Totally yep. not sales calls. Like these yep. were, I was not reaching out for that reason, which is why I think they're so helpful and beneficial, right? Because yeah. if they're really thinking, oh, you do what I, what can help me. And then we get, get to know each other and we're just getting to know each other and helping one another. It's just a different vibe. You're offering them value and not asking them for anything. I mean, I, I get so many, I'm sure you do too. Like the sales email, like I connect with you on LinkedIn and then you're like, Stephanie, would you like to have a Dunkin' Donuts franchise? And I'm like, good God, come on. Like the hard sell. (laughs) I hate that Nobody likes the hard sell ever. I mean, lawyers don't do that. They're so uncomfortable even doing marketing for the most part. Right. But, but I think that's a great way. Look, and you, you've, You've added to your network, <laughs> built relationships, I have. and the icing on the cake is referrals and clients, right? And I've 
I've also, so new podcast guests, lots of new ideas for the podcast for season three, couple of new clients, couple of potential clients, and then also a couple of people who just from a networking perspective, I think are really great to have in my network and we're starting to build real friendships and I could see it growing into maybe an affiliation of some sort in the future or like, who knows, right? But it's, you know, it's been amazing. And I only started doing that a couple of months ago and I've gotten so much out of it. So that's one small thing you can do that feels a little different, feels a little more comfortable, puts you out of your comfort zone that really reaped huge rewards. I couldn't agree more about this. Can I tell you, I did one of these things this morning. Okay. Listen to what I did. There's a conference that I really want to speak at, but I don't know anybody on the conference committee or anybody there. And I, you know, I, I, I would love to go, but I would prefer to speak. So I reached out through LinkedIn. I, one, I was connected to one of the people, two of the other people I wasn't. And I said, hey, you know, I have this idea for this conference. This is what it is. I'd love to talk to somebody. Could you put me in touch with somebody there? And also, I'd love to pick your brain for some ideas for the Women Who Wow series that I do. So I'm offering them something in return. Right. Two out of the three people have already written back, and it's only been an hour and a half since I sent that note. So you got to get on people's radars. The other thing I'll tell you is so many lawyers wait for things to happen to them instead of making them happen. And I can't, like, like I I just can't stress this enough. So, okay. Great speaking engagements. Don't just fall in your lap. Great opportunities to write articles, to be quoted in the media. They don't just happen. You can be the very best at what you do and then see one of your peers who you're like, uh, darn, why is that person always being quoted? Because that person either hired somebody, but also is hustling. You've got to build your own brand and make opportunities happen. Yes, great things could happen to you in the, you know, just by osmosis, just by being who you are. But for the most part, you've got to make it happen. So Heather, the New York State lotto slogan is you've got to be in it to win it. And Mm -hmm. so I really, really believe that you've got to be in it to win it. Or oftentimes it's not going to happen. So again, what's one thing you can do like Heather and I did? She reached out to people. I reached out to people. Make a list or just, you know, go through your DMs, go through the people you've connected with recently and reach out to them. You never know, but you don't know unless you try. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I I like to tell my clients, there is really, we look at these so-called rainmakers and think, oh, they're just so special. Oh, I can never be that. No, there's one main difference. They're willing to put themselves out there and try this stuff. That's it. That's what they do that's different than you. And if you do it consistently over time enough, you start to gain traction. You start to learn what works for you. You start to learn what doesn't. And you just keep doubling down on what does work and letting go of the stuff that doesn't. And that's the difference. Like it isn't rocket science, in, but it no. is about allowing yourself to get a little uncomfortable. So going to networking events and actually, you know, having networking. a goal to talk to people you don't know yeah. and asking good questions and not talking a lot, but listening and then mm. asking more questions. That's the trick. You do not have to like worry about what you need to say because you're not going to need to say that much. No. By the way, every really good interview I've ever gone on or date has been me not speaking that much. And I've always yeah. been like, well, wait, what? Because you're you're elevating that other person. You're giving them the forum to tell you about yep. them. And then they feel in turn good about you because you asked questions that were thoughtful and you made them feel good about themselves. 
that you never have to sell yourself there. I don't believe Heather in the elevator pitch or any garbage like that. Just be likable. Just be be engaged, be interested in people, make human relationships, treat people like you want to be treated and yes. your network will grow as a result. It will. And so I, I think of it as there's three main prongs, right, to business development. There's mm-hmm. networking, which mm-hmm. is a must. It's the absolute mm-hmm. must. You must network. And frankly, you can build a business off of networking alone. Yeah. Um, there's marketing, which I highly recommend you do some because it helps to create your brand. And then there's selling, which usually really is not advertising. I mean, you can, but I don't think it sells that well. It's asking yeah. for business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like actually knowing when you're marketing and networking, when to take it to the next level and say, hey, I'd love to work with you. How can we make that happen? Like it's that simple. Those three things are absolutely needed for really good business development. And then branding, that's separate to me, but you create a brand through those things. You create you a brand through every single touch point that you yes. have through all of these things. And by the way, let me say this. Social media isn't for every lawyer. It's not for everyone. It's hard to put yourself out there. Sometimes people don't know what to share. They, they don't necessarily believe in the importance of this or they feel uncomfortable or they don't have the time. Okay. So I understand that. Let me just put this in perspective though. The clients of today and tomorrow grew up with an iPhone in the crib. They are Googling you. The second the, Your second Google search result besides your bio on your law firm website is LinkedIn. And wow. oftentimes people bypass your bio on the website because they want to know who you know, who they know, and much more about you that, they're link- that LinkedIn can tell them versus your website bio. Heather, 80% of law firm website traffic goes directly to law firm lawyer bios, bypassing every other yep. page. By the way, the yep. fact that I have these statistics embedded in my head scares me. <laughs> it underscores the importance also of making sure your bio reflects what you do and for whom. Yes. So many lawyer bios sound just like everybody else's bio. I could take your name out, put somebody else's name in there, and that's not good marketing. But let me go back to LinkedIn. You need to care about LinkedIn because it is it has incredibly high search domain authority, whether you post or not. Just have a really good profile that really reflects what you do, for whom you do it, and tells the full depth and breadth, which is also like an over, like that term is used way too much, but I do think it applies here. Think of your LinkedIn profile as the homepage of your of your brand. And you do have a brand, whether you realize it or not. There are conversations going on behind the scenes where somebody says, oh, Heather, you know, is somebody I want to work with. She's great. They're Googling you. They're probably going to your website, but they're most often probably going to your LinkedIn profile. So this is why you need to care about that. And by the way, it's still your number two search result, whether you use LinkedIn every day or once a year. So you might as well make it work for you. And also, this is why articles matter. Speaking engagements matter. This is why when I Googled mindset, your article came up Mm -hmm. because writing is really important. Heather, I know a lawyer who's a junior partner at a firm who got an engagement, a client engagement, because somebody was looking for a nuanced, it was a const- it was construction law. It was a nuanced area of neighboring, neighboring agreements with construction law. He had spoken at a bar association on a panel. He wasn't sure if he wanted to do it. He wasn't really into public speaking, but he did it. And guess what? It showed up on the first page of Google search results. <laughs> and the, the, the client, the person who became the client said to him, 
well, I called you because I'm looking for something specific in New York on this topic. And you spoke at a CLE, so you must know your stuff. Yeah. Now, if I can't encourage you to write and speak and be on LinkedIn from this example, I don't know what will. But you, it's not enough to be a great lawyer. No. We are in a very saturated field. There are so many good lawyers. You've got to market yourself today. So that is my... That I guess that's my endorsement for doing the marketing, the branding, the business development. Commit to one or two things in the new year that you're going to do in the first quarter, and you'll be in really great shape. But don't watch your peers do these things and your competitors, and you're not because they're not any better at what you do than you know. You're it's they may just, not be as good, and yet no. they're bringing in more business because they're out there talking about things that are important to their perfect clients, and. By the way, guys, I think a lot of lawyers convince themselves that this is just going to be too time-consuming, therefore I can't do it. But here's the thing. If you speak on a topic, I guarantee that speaking opportunity, whether it's on a panel, whether you're speaking alone, whether it's 20 minutes long, 45 minutes long, whatever, you could have somebody take that and break it up into all kinds of little small posts that could go on social media or and then create an article about it. And then like you can repurpose your articles, your speaking, your whatever numerous times yeah. and spend oh yeah. maybe a day of your life helping somebody to do that. That then gives you so many posts that if you're only posting once a week, once every other week, once a month, gives you posts for half a year to a year. Posts for years. This I mean, okay. It's not that much time if you do it the right way. Okay. So what you just said is the key to my own success and the key to the law firms that I work with and the lawyers there if they do it. So most law firms, Heather, and most lawyers create content once and it never sees the light of day again. I call this one and done. Okay. It's a huge waste of time for the firm and for the person. You should be posting at least the same thing three times and you can change it up. So just like you said, so let's let's give an example of a podcast. Why you should be a podcast guest. Guess what? The podcast has usually videos recorded on Zoom or some other platform. It also has the audio, which is the transcript. You can turn that into an article, three blog posts, 10 social media posts, the quote from it, use a, a picture, use an icon, there are content, like you said, for six months, and you, everybody here needs a content calendar. It doesn't have to be an in-depth sort of thing, but it could just right. be based on your content pillars, which are the three to five areas in your wheelhouse that you want to be known for that will bring you business and will elevate your brand. So for me, it's LinkedIn, it's legal marketing, and then it's women's issues and maybe like some mental health in the workplace issues. I don't deviate from these areas. You don't see me posting about... Um, you know, car, you know, antique cars, because that's not my brand. For right. lawyers, you would specifically pick not only your practice area, because you have sub pillars, but in there, you would talk about some of the issues that you are interested in. Maybe it's professional development. Uh, maybe it's, you could talk about, I don't know, like diversity. There's a lot of things you could discuss. But you really need to be thinking about those core areas and stick to them and then repurpose. Because by the way, Heather, nobody remembers what they ate for breakfast, let alone what you posted on social. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I would say, so this goes into branding. I think a lot of lawyers get confused. Well, my firm has a brand. Yeah, your firm has a brand, but you also need to have a brand. And yeah, you're going to have one to some extent, regardless of whether you really try hard. So you want to try to create the brand you want. It's really important not just to talk about, in my opinion at least, your legal issues. You want to talk about the, the main legal pillars that you address you want to go beyond that a little bit and talk about how that impacts your businesses, your clients, like the ripple effect of that. Because I think when you connect it, it really creates a stronger brand for you. Mm-hmm. And your clients care a lot more about the overall business like result they get because they've taken care of the things that you want to take care of them. Yep. them. And then you want to give them some insight into who you are. Because it is likely, so for example, when you have a good client and you are building a relationship with them, you likely talk about sports or music or like common interests, right? Or your kids, family. Like there's things you like for the same reason that you let them have some insight into who you are as a human being because it's how you show up. Online, you want to do a little bit of that too. You don't have to share too much. You don't like, you know, and you get to choose what you share and what you don't. But there's a way to do it that's very professional and gives people more insight and then attracts the right people to you <laughs> because yeah. you've created that brand based on who you are. It's authentic to who you are. Mm-hmm. And I'll also say, like, with writing, I think client alerts and blog posts are the single most important way that lawyers can market themselves because. Most clients are in their email boxes all throughout the day. And this is substantive thought leadership also helps you stay top of mind with people in a way that isn't just, hey, just checking in kind of thing. No one likes that, just checking in email. But the place, I guess the, the area that I see most lawyers fail with regard to client alerts is that they just report the facts. They report on things that, you know, anybody could get in the news or you could look up the case. What they don't provide and oftentimes what they're nervous about doing is providing the insights or providing the why. Why do you need to care about this? How does this impact your your business, your firm? And that's the missing piece from that makes a client alert good or great. Yes. And I would encourage you to really think about that. You know, what is your take on the implications of this? And that showcases what you do, how you do it, and how what and what you would be like to be the that person's legal service provider. So go that extra mile. But don't yep. underestimate the power of email marketing and content like this because it's the most direct way to reach people. I can give you all the tips, Heather, in the world and how to create great LinkedIn posts, but I have no silver bullet on how to make sure every single person sees all of your posts because the algorithm works against you and me. That's why repurposing is so important. And that's why making sure you're you're hitting people in different ways that, that they learn is so important, like taking that client alert, turning it into a video or a podcast or a speaking engagement. There's so many things, but it's exciting. You don't yeah. have to do it all, but you do have to do something. Something and just be consistent with it. And over yeah. time, you will absolutely see results. That's the other thing consistency over a longer period of time is necessary. It is not Mm -hmm. enough to do it for just one quarter or just six months or even just one year. It builds. It builds big time over time. And as you continue to do it, it gets easier because you get it into a rhythm and you create a process or a system around it. And so it gets easier for you to do. You can get help from other people if you're in a bigger firm and you have a marketing department to assist you or like associates. I used to help some of the partners when I was an associate with some of that. Um, I mean, there are other ways where you can pull from other people, too, to spend less time on it. And 
it just, you know, over time, it gets more enjoyable because you will start to see real results. <laughs> and if you're an associate trying to build your brand or trying to stand out, offer to help a partner on a client alert, you also get a byline. And that is a really good thing. That person I told you who was the CLE speaker, he was at that time when he was speaking, he was a senior associate. And it was well worth it, the time and effort. So yep. try to build your brand at an early point because you'll be well poised for the future in terms of building your own book of business. This isn't something they teach necessarily in law school, although I don't understand why. I've guest lectured at Fordham. I've guest lectured at a few schools and I've talked to them about the importance of instilling a business development and marketing mindset in first years, you know, new associates, junior associates, because it's so important to have those skills. You've got all the textbook skills and the critical thinking skills, but you don't know how to manage your practice. You don't know how to manage your time and all of mm -hmm. the other things involved in having a successful practice, which I think, you know, if you rely on your firm to do that, depending on the size of the firm, they may provide that training to you, but it, it's just something you have to figure out on your own. Which Most really don't. And most no, actually don't. Even the trainings that I've seen, and I'm not going to knock all the firms because there are some firms out there with great trainings, but the vast majority, even in big law, do not have good trainings for any of this. And they're and probably geared crazy. toward the firm, right? So like, you know, if they send you to a mini MBA course, it's because they want to home, they, they want to utilize those skills for the firm. I don't know that every firm encourages their associates to develop business because there is that unspoken rule that that is the job of the partner or- right. They're not, they want the, the associates to do the work. You know, it's it's a tricky place. You've got to find the right environment that lets you do that. But a lot of this is on the job experience. I mean, yep. certainly shadowing other people. There isn't like a course you could take to get certified in marketing and business development. Although maybe I should be thinking about starting something I know, like that, I right? know. <laughs> Me too. Um, since I yeah. coach on all that, right? And we, maybe we should partner and, and help each maybe other out Maybe we should that. have a chat. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do a follow-up. You know what, Heather, that's our homework. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. Um, before I let you go, are there any final tips you would like to leave? Yeah, I would just say that find what works for you. So LinkedIn works for me. I'm an extroverted person. I've been doing this for years. I've gotten more comfortable doing it. It's not necessarily for everyone. You don't have to be on LinkedIn to be a successful lawyer today, but you do have to market yourself because it's not enough to be a great lawyer. So whether it's speaking, writing, in-person networking, relationship building through going to play golf with your clients or just getting FaceTime, social, all of these things, there are getting involved in an industry association and becoming like chair of a committee. There are so many ways to become more visible. Find what works for you. I know myself and other people, when we find things we like to do, we tend to do them better. When we dread doing things, we do them lackluster, you know, right. or just okay. Remember also, your good is good enough. Don't obsess about <laughs> the wording of a client alert and then meet the, you know, miss the boat. Don't keep editing that PowerPoint. Don't keep rewriting that LinkedIn post. You're not trying to win a Pulitzer Prize and you're pretty good at what you do already. So yep. guess what? It's okay. Just to, you got to let it go. What's that yep. line from Frozen? Let it go. I yep. think Elsa says, let it go, guys. Do it. And you can always go back and perfect it later on, but be okay with good is good enough. 
Absolutely. I would definitely say good is good enough. You Once you start learning to do that, you realize, and this is probably why a lot of people look at rainmakers and think, how is it they get the business? They're not that great because they are not perfectionists and they put stuff out there that's not perfect, but it's good enough. And so really it's time for you to start doing there, that too. Yeah. And when it comes to do what works, yeah, you don't have to do everything. Don't worry about what other people do. Do yeah. what works for you. That's why I help my clients kind of figure out their own unique personality traits and their strengths and how to like bring those together so that they can pick the one or two things that feel really good to them. That's mm-hmm. what you need to do. Do what feels good to you and be consistent with it. And do the one or two things. Like we said, I mean, yep. maybe that's what you do. You don't have to boil the ocean or do nope. all of these things. It's yep. In fact, you spread yourself, you know, you stretch yourself very thin when you try to do it all. You don't have to write an article, start a podcast, have a video series, be on LinkedIn <laughs> and share a conference. No, set your, that's going to set, you up, set yourself up for failure. When I tell people to do business development and marketing, I tell them to do one or two things, do them really Me well, too. and then move on from there and see what see how it does. Because measuring how something did is yeah. actually going to give you tons of info going forward. So, and but you the, can't measure it if you're not consistent with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And consistent, by the way, doesn't mean every day or every week. Oh, no. Consistent is finding a cadence that works for you and your brand. And, you know, there is something called like being overexposed. Like sometimes I worry about that. Like, do I show up too much on social? I would much rather all of you did one or two posts that were superb than feel like you've got to post every day just to be visible because you don't. And they're lackluster. So, so don't get stressed out about the time it's going to take to do these things. If you do marketing and business development right, it won't take you that much time to do because you will you will start to know how to do these and, and you'll become much more efficient. But you, it's an investment in yourself, Heather. That's I, I want people to invest in themselves, whether they hire a coach, whether they hire a marketing professional, whether they just start reading more about the, yeah. these kinds of things. Commit to yourself and you will really see a difference. Absolutely. So where can people find you if they are looking for you online? So guess what? I'm on LinkedIn, Heather. So you can follow me on LinkedIn. It's just my name, Stephanie Marone. You can also follow me on Instagram at Stephanie Marone Legal Marketing. I have a blog, which is also my website. It's the socialmediabutterflyblog.com. And I post pretty regularly there as well. And you can also find me on YouTube at Stephanie Marone. Awesome. All right. Well, I will put links to all of those places in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming and sharing so much with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Happy holidays to you. I hope you feel better. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Life & Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow and or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both Life & Law, including the Life & Law Roadmap, visit lifeandlawpodcast.com.